Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bench Unit podcast. Um, I, James McSorley, I'm here with Mark Schofield as always. And this week, to make up for the fact that we didn't talk any basketball last week, we are going to jump wildly between different basketball topics. Uh, how's it going, Mark? Yeah, good, man. Yeah, like you say, we've not recorded for ages, but hey, I'm married now, so not being able to talk to my friends is part of the deal, right? Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, wives, am I right, guys? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, am I right? <laughs> uh, no, no, not so far. We um we had our first actual going out in public thing as like husband and wife yesterday. I was like, why does this feel drastically different? But it's really not. Anyway, look at me getting into the marriage advice. Yeah. I would love the "Am I right, guys?" thing to be a legitimate question. Like, someone be like, "Ah, am I right, guys?" But not like, it, well, it'd be, like a, it'd be as like a post punchline. Be good to stick it on the end of an actual, really serious question, being like, "Hey, we definitely can't serve this contaminated food in the restaurant." Am I right, guys? <laughs> am I right, guys? <laughs> um, yeah, just makes the whole thing sound completely like it's got no legs at all. Yeah, don't worry, guys. Two weeks inside, we'll solve this coronavirus nonsense. Am I right, guys? <laughs> no, he was not right. No, they weren't. Cool. Shall no. we get to it then? Because it's been, we did the wedding episode like uh, bang on a week ago, I think. Um, yes. But yeah, we have not talked to any basketball for a while now. And a lot of things have happened. So shall we do a rapid bounce round and get off topic many times? Sounds good. Rapid bounce around. Sounds good. Um, oh yeah, just for for reference for anyone listening to this, a lot of this is going to be very outdated on account of us choosing to talk about something that happened two weeks ago. But also from now on, we're going to record the majority of our episodes a week early. Obviously, if there's like really urgent week to week stuff that we can just get in and record and post. Obviously, we'll try and do that, but. A lot of this is going to be record a week early, release the next week, just so we've got one in the bank for if anything weird happens. Yeah. So that's why we're going to be talking about the NBA finals three weeks after they happen, because we're two weeks late on purpose and one week late by accident. Yeah, um, the fact that w- the four of us were like post-wedding all together at our place and it informally turned into like a bench units content planning committee meeting. I was like, what is happening here? Like, it was embarrassing. It was such a such a bizarre thing. You'd think we could have got it together between the two of us, but the girls obviously felt the need to feel like, hey, these guys don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it was the fact that at one point it was like, here, here's this website which will just have your life together for you because you don't like so you don't have to. Like that was basically it. It was like, hey, release schedules and posting schedules and you can save posts in advance and blah 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 but the whole thing was like hey this thing will have it together so you don't need to worry about it like that was the whole selling point it was like oh okay (laughs) we need to automate having our stuff together (laughs) thanks it's a bit sad isn't it it was particularly sad when we read all the suggestions that that site makes and we're like oh well yeah obviously we know about that do you actually do it well no (laughs) no we know we yeah, should. It was like have a clean, crisp intro, intro, and here we are, five minutes later, haven't said the word basketball since the intro. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Let's get to it. Basketball. Okay. All right. Milwaukee Bucks. Go. Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champions um, because they figured out that what they want to do 
is probably going to work if they do it hard enough and enough times, <laughs> which is great because they went away from like, oh no, but what if we adjust this way? What if we adjust that way to being like, hold on, why don't we just let Yanis smash yeah. and like just mash the ball into the basket 50 times, 50 million times, 25 yeah. times. Um, and yeah, they I think they find the balance between we're massive and we're really, really intimidating and we can freak people out on the defensive end by being athletic and having arms everywhere and being really long and um, strong and not letting anyone have anything inside. And we're just like, hey, Chris Paul, you're six foot one, 36 years old. Like, <laughs> you're not getting anything in here anymore. And that was really good to see because it was like, the way they've played has been criticized because it hadn't worked, which is fair to criticize. And now it has worked. So it's no longer like it's, it's, it's officially it's done. Like they did it. And the fact that Yanis closed the whole series out by having 50, by just doing whatever he wanted and, and then playing that way on the defensive end as well was just absolutely incredible. Like they didn't even shoot made well three. three throws in his last game as well was the kicker to the whole thing. Yeah. What a man. What, what a man. And like, I love the Suns, but I just, I don't know. There was just something really satisfying. And I wanted, I wanted the Suns to win. And I kind of also thought they would, but there was something really cool about like the Bucks finding the balance between actual schematic adjustments, which needed to be made versus let's not get too far from what actually got us here, which is you get, we give threes up to the guys that we think we can give threes up to. And on the other end, they kind of mixed Giannis doing whatever he wanted with the fact that they have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday as closers now, which is yeah. very exciting. Like the whole thing of we'll sign Drew, he'll be good on the defensive end and we can actually put the ball in his hands and switch Giannis to a bit of a roller on pick and rolls was like, it worked. Like it that, That's it. Like the whole yeah. thing was like, they made this call halfway through or like the start of last year. And I was yeah. like, uh, it'll either work or it won't, and I'm not sure it will, and it did. So, fine. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, they. I think everyone thought with the Bucks that they they're like good enough at their best, but have no margin for error because they only play the one way. And then you realize they had they lost their first two games, and then to say people thought they didn't have a margin for error, they won four games in a row with Drew having one good offensive game out of the four of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if that's not margin for error, I don't know what is. The value of the value of Drew Holiday being anyone other than Eric Bledsoe was very apparent over the last four games. Yeah, that's it, and it's like that's the thing of having three guys that can kind of do it. Like that is that's the value of trying to get three absolute killers on one team, but it is certainly the value of having three guys that. At any given point, you're like, if I give Giannis the ball here, if I give Chris Middleton the ball here, if I give Drew Holiday the ball here, we're good. Like, and obviously, Giannis is the only out and out superstar out of those three, but like Chris Middleton's still an all-star. And Chris Middleton so is about as good as Joe Johnson ever was. And Joe Johnson was like the highest paid guy in the NBA for about four years. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah, nuts. man. Joe Johnson was like one of the great, like just throw it to him and he'll get you a bucket. Joe Johnson was like, I don't know, 
Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but like he's old enough that comparisons go the other way now. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Middleton's the closest to Joe Johnson there is. I think Brandon Ingram's like a Joe Johnson, Tracy McGrady hybrid a little bit. If Brandon Ingram yeah. had Joe Johnson's shoulders, he'd lead the entire NBA in scoring because he'd just muscle people. Yeah, that's the thing. Joe Johnson was so strong. Um, the Chris Middleton one's interesting because we'll get onto the draft later, but Cade Cunningham, who went number one, like people are getting giving a lot of Chris Middleton-ish yeah. comparisons. And it's like, well, maybe, but also his whole thing is his playmaking, like yeah. his passing yeah. and whatever. So it's like a Chris Middleton... Luca hybrid is nuts, but it's not like it's not Luca in that it's the ceiling of Luca. It's the this guy is six foot eight and can pass. Yeah. Yeah. And people yeah. automatically go like LeBron or Luca now, or they went magic before. And it's like, well, no, but kind of like yeah, I think we're like I say we'll get onto the drafts it in a little bit, but it's like the um do you look at the kind of point forward? Thing, the fact that it's happening more and more now between like LeBron, Luca, Ben Simmons in a previous iteration, and it's and Giannis as well when he kind of handles the ball a bit more, which he doesn't so much now. But it's like, is it actually like 30 plus years on and the NBA is catching up to the Magic Johnson model at this point? Because it's it like if you drop Magic in now, he I don't know if he'd be the best of those guys if you drop Prime Magic into 2021. But he like wouldn't look out of place with the current model. So it's nuts that magic was around that much earlier. Yeah, I think it's probably just the development of like skills coaching. Yeah. Where you're not just going like Magic Johnson's six foot eight. Like if he was six foot at 15, he's just lucky that someone didn't put him under the basket. Yeah. <laughs> I think is the yeah. thing. It's like the Anthony Davis thing is like. He was a point guard until he had a growth spurt. Like, and that's why he's an absolute freak. And I think nowadays it's like people have seen the value of that. And it's like, just put a ball on everyone's hands on the three-point line and kind of try yeah. and teach them how to do a bit of everything. And then if you grow up to be massive, we can we can talk about the post-game later. But I think the fact that the post-game is less and less of a thing means that people are inclined to develop guard skills rather than... Yeah, I think that's fair else because it's like being six foot eight and also having guard skills means you can either be a six foot eight point guard or you can be a small forward who can dribble which is like the absolute peak of we need this guy to win an nba championship is we have a six foot eight guy who can get his own shot yeah is that is that the reason that phoenix never didn't do it um well Devin Booker's six mm. foot six or seven and has guard skills. And he's stronger than he looks as well. Like he's quite strong. But yeah. um, I think part of it was like, I spoke to Mendel about this idea recently about the idea of thinking basketball YouTube channel, which is really cool. And if anyone oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah. in depth, like faux in depth analysis, they should look at thinking basketball on youtube because it's actually great um he was talking about the fact that most nba great nba offenses are heliocentric in that it's like give this one guy the ball and work everything off that but i don't know i think it's the fact that at the end of the day the Suns tried to do that with someone who's six foot one it's not that they 
didn't have someone doing it that is six foot eight. It's that the person they did have doing it was six foot one against a team that could just put long arms all around him. Because the one thing that really, like that was the actual, like the thing that I noticed when I was like, oh, this is over. Yeah. When the Bucks started figuring out, it was like Chris Paul just had a terrible time. Yeah. And he did okay sometimes. But it yeah. was just like, they were like, we're going to bother the life out of him all the time. Yeah, the um, um, the the Drew Holiday thing just I think ground Chris Paul into the ground and the and bizarrely the um I was thinking about the whole Aiton thing because Aiton was awesome the entire playoffs and that Aiton had almost the exact year later bam run from um the bubble last year where it was like changing games completely by himself the entire first three rounds gets the final and gets against a team that his size doesn't just beat on its own. Like Bam was class all the way through and then got to the Lakers in the finals and they were rolling out AD and Dwight Howard together. Hey, do you remember the Lakers, by the way? Doesn't it feel like a long, long time since uh, they played? Do you remember them? Yes. Um, yeah. Do you think, do you think how much of it is to do with like the Suns? being a team that it's like, okay, you throw the ball to this guy and he sets the table. Like Aiton, yeah. Aiton is only going to be as successful as Chris Paul can let him yeah. or Devin Booker to a lesser extent because he's still like a scorer primarily. Like he creates off the fact that people have to overplay because he's like, hey, I'm going to score on you from the elbow seven times in a row before you <laughs> double me and then I can find an easier pass. Whereas Chris Paul's like trying to set the table. Do you think there is anything in that a team that was set up like that got beaten by a team that had three guys that you could throw the ball to and get out of the way? Um, maybe. I don't know. I think I think it's... Um, I don't know. I think because you could have made the same argument against um, even like when the Lakers were at half strength or the Clippers teams and stuff. I think they maybe had better offensive options knocking around than... Um, kind of throughout the roster than Phoenix having their top two guys doing everything. I just, I wonder if it was Aiton being like, Hey, this is great. I get spoon fed layups and almost the threat of him rolling to the basket is a shot creation in and of itself. Whereas against the Bucks, they were like, Hey, cool. Roll to the basket. We have one of the few people in the NBA who's bigger and stronger than you. Yeah. Like shout out to Brooke Lopez, by the way. Yeah. Brooke Lopez getting back to, what he does best and the whole thing was like i thought they were in trouble because i thought like that game one it was like rick lopez you're going to play drop coverage which is just it's the idea of big anyone who doesn't know um if it's like a high pick and roll the big man who's defending the pick and roll will just kind of drop back to somewhere in the key and not let the roller get all the way to the basket but what that does give up is the guy dribbling off the pick can kind of take two dribbles off it into the elbow and pull it, which is Chris Paul and Devin Booker territory. So when I saw that, I was like, he's in trouble. Yeah. And then he wasn't because that's only if you get a clean break off it. And they just decided to be like, Hey, Drew, go get him. Drew, um, so Drew like, if you come the, off um, and you've got someone on your hip, you're still in trouble. Yeah. Drew did the whole, um, the other best example of the defense at the, kind of point of attack thing is the OKC Houston series from the um, from the first round last year where Lou Dort was on James Harden and they would send like seven screens up on every possession. Lou Dort was like, well, look at the size of my shoulders. You're not screening me and getting me off this guy. 
like Lou Dort yeah. did it by going through people, and I like I have no idea how Drew did what he did. But people were like, he goes around people quite well. And then the thing is, like, even if he's just behind you, there's a weird thing of like bad NBA defenders. Some of it is effort. Like if you're six foot four and have big long arms and can move, it's effort. Like after that point, if you <laughs> if you understand where you're meant to be, you not getting there is either because you can't or because you won't. Yeah. And his thing is like he'll get round it and he'll be like you see some guys come around it and they're completely behind someone and they're just kind of like watching them. Whereas he'll get like, if he can get like 30 degrees further around to your shooting arm, he's like, I can probably bother this. Yeah. And it's like NBA teams don't win game shooting floaters anymore. So his no, whole thing but- is like, I'll say, I'll try and get you to either pull up, pull up for a bad one or go all the way to Brook where he can defend both of you again. And it's like, that's a game that people lose a lot of the time because step back threes and sidestepped and pull ups and stuff. but it's like if you've got a guy like drew holiday who won't let you just get off an easy one that's enough to swing a game yeah um when when you say when you say people don't win games on floaters anymore how many years are we talking till we get an atlanta and memphis nba finals which is just a tray versus jar floater fest oh i would love to see it the anti-analytics <laughs> fest yeah um yeah, man, that's fun. And it's like the guys who are really good at that stuff are either like playing into the analytics or they're beating it. Yeah. You have to be, the whole thing is like, it's not like you can't win on this. It's like, you have to be so good for this to make a difference. Yeah, it's it's the same idea of um, people who are like professional poker players or whatever else. And it's like, you just have to be slightly better than the numbers for long enough that it works out. Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like in four games, you might be. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, if you played out 82 games of Chris Paul and Devin Booker pulling up from the elbow with Drew on their hip, that might end up with a winning record. But like in four games, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting, man. It is very interesting that the contrast of styles was there. But even the fact that you've got guys like Giannis who are just massive small forwards, basically, yeah. I mean, you can like mess about with cross matches and like put him on Aiden for periods and like, all very cool. All, all a lot of fun to watch. But yeah. the, ultimately, the, we all lost because we got a Bucks and Suns NBA Finals. I don't think that's a loss, though. I think that's. I know. I love it. I love it. I'm only joking. It's exactly what I want. And I also think that the um, the interesting thing is, like Milwaukee, like you say, have been scrutinized for the um, for the drop coverage thing, and it's happened in like two finals now where probably more than two finals to be fair but um the last couple between phoenix and the lakers you end up with a team that if i asked you like right now off the top of my head what is the sun's default defense i don't think there's really an answer and it was the same with the lakers last year it was like hey we just defend like we don't have this strict scheme that we stick to or whatever else they just we defend the team we're playing yeah i think the sun's kind of played drop coverage a good bit most nba teams who play an actual seven footer are like hey this guy doesn't want to do that the thing with the lakers is like they were really really well defensively coached they were adaptable and also anthony davis is just this weird morphing like constantly adaptable like force of nature on the defensive end like there are just plays where he'll like 
play drop coverage against an actual big man, end up switched out onto a guard in like three seconds. He'll defend like everyone on switches and then like yeah. contest a three pointer and then block a shot at the rim in the one play. <laughs> and it's like, that's a like, there are other people who have been able to do that in the last 50 years of basketball, but like maybe three, like the, Bill Russell could do that. Davis is this, he is this generation's Scotty Pippen though, because it's, the only thing you can't task him with doing is being the guy to run the offense all the time. And basically anything other than that, you're like, huh, AD will probably handle it. He's like, when, yeah. we're, when we're trying to barbecue or have any plans and we're like, Hey, we'll just wait for Tom to get here and we'll, and he'll sort it out. AD's like, yeah, like on your wedding day when people were like, Hey, what is the customary thing to do with this button? And he was like, <laughs> open. <laughs> Obviously. But, yeah. Yeah. It was funny. He, he tried to give me advice on a couple of things. I was like, Tom, I've just been, I've just had to do three people's ties and flip. <laughs> like, I, I know what I'm doing here. It's not me you need to worry about, son, but I, I, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you for caring, Tom. What a guy. Um, right. While we're Lakers, shall we talk about the fact that they've got a new worst player? Oh my God. I thought you were about to say, should we talk about the fact that they've gotten worse? <laughs> He's like, well, yes. Oh, um, yeah. So the Lakers have traded for Russell Westbrook. And they have given up Contavious Caldwell Pope, cool name. Um, they have given up Kyle Kuzma, who will probably actually be kind of good in Washington on a bad team, which is fun. Um, and some picks, probably. Uh, yeah, it was two second round. And Montrez Harrell. And um, Montrez Harrell, who didn't want to be there. So who, that's fine. Who isn't good. Yeah, I, the Kuzma thing gets me because my, my great issue with him has been how much he's been publicized despite the fact that he really isn't anything special and yeah, I really- but he was like he was in the he was in the kardashian jenner sphere so he was like was real life famous not just people who care about basketball famous as well okay. which kind of bumps people up a bit right. um but he was like fine and then the thing was he got his contract he got his modest 40 for four contract and really knuckled down on the defensive end and was catching rebounds and whatever, but forgot that the bit that he was really good at was like, hey, you're a second round pick who we can throw the ball to like you're mellow. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah but he like forgot how to shoot because yeah. he was working hard on the stuff that everyone, like he thought everyone wanted him to do. It's like, yeah. hey, no, it's it's both. It's, it's yeah, both, the, sir. There'd be a certain level of poetic justice if like you say he's in Washington now and ends up being actually pretty good and nobody cares because the reverse has been true the entirety of his career so far is he's <laughs> yeah it would be nice for him and but, everyone cares a lot yeah so what do you think happens with the lakers now do you think they go russ teal and horton tucker lebron ad gasol or something because oh my god that's bad <laughs> um no i think there are I don't know if they'll do it, but I think their only chance to actually be good this year is to go LeBron and AD four and five for the whole season, basically. Yeah. Um, they won't in the regular season because AD just doesn't want to, even though it's like purely nominally he's a power forward. Like he'll still defend everyone all the time. So like it doesn't matter, but he just doesn't want to be announced at the start of a game as a center. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, do you think they're keen enough to keep AD happy that they'll LeBron will be like, look, just announce me as the center and announce AD as the power forward and see if that keeps him quiet? 
imagine let russ do it because on the bright side for ad he doesn't have to rebound anymore he can just leave them all to russ which yeah. is fun but what like but what guards do they have anymore man uh, like Car- caruso is probably gone because has caruso got out of jail yet i don't know eh. i think so what who who put him in jail the fashion police um no, uh, the uh, the state of texas for marijuana possession hey yeah um jesus but yeah speaking of people being in jail in texas shout out to jackson hayes while we're about it um oh what did he do no idea but he's from texas and i know he's been arrested i don't know if he's in jail um oh i'm gonna look this up just to make sure we're not actually shouting him out if he's done something horrible okay Uh, i don't think i don't think he has i think um that should be fun but yeah um the rust thing i don't know and Considering they brought Schroeder in last year and were like, this will be great. He'll take the offense off of LeBron. And Westbrook's almost like an accentuated Schroeder in terms of both strengths and weaknesses. And it's like, look, the Schroeder thing didn't work whatsoever. What do you think is going to be made better by getting someone who's better at all the things Schroeder's good at and worse at all the things Schroeder's bad at? Yeah. Um, so I just I tried to look up the Jackson Hayes thing, Jackson Hayes thing there, and there's not a whole lot of information on what happened. But yeah, sorry, not for us to know. Um, yeah, I, I, my thing is just like I saw someone talking about the Lakers getting Russell Westbrook thing, and they were like, one thing he will t- help the team with is pace, and it's like LeBron wants to walk. Yeah, <laughs> LeBron doesn't need help with pace, like Russell Westbrook. You can sprint from end to end as many times as you want between it the time it takes LeBron to get the ball and walk it up past <laughs> the halfway line. Like you can sprint if you want, but yeah. it does it does legitimately help LeBron take plays off. Like uh yeah, it does, but I, I don't know. I feel like if your objective is to run offense with LeBron not needing to be tasked, you don't need someone like Schroeder last year or Russ this year who wants to push their own agenda, you need like Jalen Brunson or someone that's just like, hey, run the offense for the team rather than yourself. Yeah, you need five years ago, George Hill, like adult point guard who can yeah. shoot a three. Yeah. That's what you need. you need. You need a grown man who can yeah, shoot a, It is a weird one. I do, the one thing I do wonder is if instead of, like you said, about LeBron walking up the court and whatever, I do wonder if for any opportunity in transition, is LeBron just going to direct the ball to Russ immediately and see if Russ and AD can out sprint people? Because that's about the one element that I see Russ actually helping them in. But then again, why couldn't Schroeder do that last year if that was what they wanted to do? Yeah, Russ is a bit more, a bit more of a runner than Schroeder, but I don't know, like it'll be fine. And like having an extra guy there who's like, as much as you can criticize very, very blatant holes in his game, he's like, he's a good basketball player. Like, oh, like yeah, he'll, yeah. And random, like he'll beat, like LeBron will sit and them two will beat Atlanta on a Tuesday in November. Yeah. Like oh, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. But it's just when it gets to the playoffs, which is the bit we actually really care about. It's like three guys standing around in the charge circle looking at each other. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I don't know. I think. The, I saw a, a thing on Hoops Hype that was basically saying the Lakers have done this because they know they've got X number of 
veterans ready to join the team for the minimum. So I assume they've just got some names in the pocket that will fill in the the wing slots and just provide shooting. But I don't know. I'm I was relatively high on the Schroeder idea and it didn't work and it's not filled me with any confidence that the Russ idea is going to work unless he's somehow empowered to just go nuclear and play his own game for the stretches that he feels like he needs to. But also Bradley Beal's like the most low maintenance superstar that seems to be in the entire league. And I imagine he said something along the lines of, if you want me to stay here, get Russ out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't think it'll work in terms of like actually being a successful basketball team. I think it'll like help in random. You take a turn. I take a turn stuff in like the middle of January. Like, but I don't know. It gets very clunky unless you get like the only way it could ever work. And even then, I don't know if it's enough shooting. Like if you fill the other two spots with Clay Thompson and five years ago, Kyle Cover, I still don't think that team has enough shooting <laughs> is my thing. Like you fill that team with Clay and Steph. Maybe, yeah. maybe it gets it done. You know what I mean? Like, I think it does because Steph obviously is more than a shooter, but you know what I mean? Like if you fill that team with like just two spot up killers, yeah it's still a bit clunky because the best teams have three or four. Yeah, no, you're in, entirely right on that one. It's, um, yeah, I want, I almost wonder if the Lakers just saw the the Milwaukee, because obviously they won the title last year from being massive. Milwaukee have won the title this year from being massive. And I wonder if the Lakers have just looked at it and been like, hey, being huge and furiously bruising people to death is still a recipe for a championship. But the Bucks weren't even a great shooting team in the playoffs. They shot like thirty-one percent, and they have like way more shooting than the Lakers have. Yeah, they shot badly from three in the games they closed it out, which is proof that you can do it, but it is certainly not proof that you will. Yeah, no, it's. Um... <laughs> I think that's the thing where it's like you can still win if you have a bad shooting game. Is not hey, we don't need shooting. Yeah, it's a different, a different yeah. thing completely. Um, If you could, sorry, if you could pick up two guys on low sort of contract or guys that don't have jobs to fill those two other spots, where are you going? Okay, no, talk best case scenario. You can just cut a check, like for whatever. Who is it? I wonder if they'll get super quirky and they'll still try and rope Kyle Lowry in and just have two point guards plus LeBron. Um, Do you think... They, I think Danny Green's a free agent again, and he obviously was put in the trade from the Lakers to Philly, so it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to rope him back in. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't um, know if can do that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think you can, but it's whether he doesn't want to is maybe relevant, but also he's probably going to get paid enough wherever he goes that he might be like, yeah, job's a job. Like, I wonder how many NBA guys read stuff about, like, this guy doesn't want to play with this guy. This guy feels hurt that he's been sent from this team. I wonder how many of them are like, hey, give me $7 million to do my job, which is playing basketball, and I'll show up anywhere. Like, um... they're like, I'd play on a team with, like, my worst enemy, Satan. Um, (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mason Plumlee. Mason Plumley, um, um, the Raptor from uh, the Toronto Raptors logo, and the Raptor from Rugrats Go to Paris. Um, like, 
<laughs> like there's probably guys that are like, oh god, this team's terrible, but 12 mil a year. Yeah, okay, no problem. Well, that, that explains my why, kids and buy a house. Yes. That explains why so many veterans sign up in Sacramento for like their last two or three seasons, doesn't it? Like the Caron Butlers, Corey Josephs, Zach Randolphs of the world, where it's just like, hey, got a couple of years left. I'll go live in California on a team with no expectations. And that crucially never gets better. So it's not like I'm keeping a long line of veteran leadership afloat. Yeah, it's a thing of like, I wonder if they're like, ah, Sacramento, how much? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, when's the next flight? Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, there are 30 NBA teams, and I think a job's a job. But unless you're unless you're like in real demand and you can actually choose what you prefer in terms of family situation or money or winning or whatever like yeah. sure most guys are just like hey would i like to keep working yes yeah <laughs> do i want to move to berlin or tel aviv or or <laughs> you know moscow nah yeah. not really the um as i know moscow is a different one apparently the um i read a thing that says the places that csk and moscow put you up when you live there are like in the obviously because Ru- Russia is a massive rich and poor wage gap. Apparently, the um, the places they put the players up in are like palaces. So maybe that's cool. Yeah. I, I think I if you're just doing it for a year, I'd rather live in an absolutely dope place in Moscow than in a flat in Minnesota. Yeah, but you got to think like these guys are millionaires for like the minimum. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, these guys are just like these guys are making enough money that they can live in a palace in Minnesota. Like, yeah, to be fair, yeah, it's probably all not probably all pretty indifferent at that point. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Following um, following the Lakers trade, should we talk about the other trade that I, that matters and that I'm genuinely excited about because? We're going to get to watch Jonas Valanciunas and Zion Williamson chase after the same offensive rebounds. Ah, I forgot about that. I had no idea where you were going. Pelican. Like when you were like, the other trade that matters, I was like, what do you mean there's another trade that matters? Tristan Thompson to Atlanta. Um, Tristan Thompson is going to have a nice time in Atlanta. Tristan Thompson is bad and should just be on keeping up with the Kardashians and not playing basketball now. Keeping up with the Kardashians isn't even a thing anymore, I don't think. Um, But yeah, Valanciunas to New Orleans for Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe, which I think puts um, the Pelicans a year away from the NBA Finals because everyone who trades Eric Bledsoe ends up in the NBA Finals. Yeah, that's it. You're not wrong. Would you? Um, how many? If it was, what you said is true. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. How many offensive rebounds? Say somebody threw a a shot up, and it was me and you boxing out Zion and Stephen Adams. How many shots would have to be put up before we actually got a defensive rebound between the two of us? I don't think there is a number. Like, <laughs> no, like I don't that doesn't happen like there is no rebound that they wouldn't get over us because you got to think either of them can just reach over both of us like even if you like even the playing field and you sit all four of us on the floor 
and yeah. you put shots up. Like, still, I yeah. don't think any of us gets a rebound because there's not even one that would just bounce to us. Yeah, they'd get over it. Like they'd figure it out. <laughs> I just don't. I I don't think there's any possibility that we get one in a thousand. Like it would be whatever number it took them to stop. Yeah, mercy. Do you think, like, do you think mercy rule? Do you think there's I any chance? I don't know. I wonder if they were stood up. I legitimately, I think the tactic would just just be to try and take their legs out. But I honestly also worry that if I swung at Jonas Valanciunas's leg, I might break my arm. Yeah, it'd be like punching a tree. Yeah, <laughs> um, it'd be like kicking a tree, like Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, early Jean Claude Van Damme movies. <laughs> I prefer yeah. the later ones where he's drinking beer in mountains. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Zion and Valentinus thing. I don't think the Pelicans will be that great, but I also look forward. I look forward to watching any team that has the Pelicans on the first night of a back to back, then play their second game of the back to back and just limp their way through it because they've been shoved. But it, that thing will feel like you're being pushed out of the way by bouncers or something if you're trying to get rebounds with those guys around. Yeah, man. I love how we're focusing on rebounding rather than winning because I don't know if there's an actual clear picture on whether that's going to be achieved. No, probably not. Yeah, but I think the thing is like, is it clear what sort of player needs to be besides um, Zion before he wins games? Because I'm not sure it's clear yet because it's not the standing there and shooting threes and not playing any defense center. It's not the opposite. It's not Steven Adams. No, it's it was Nico Melli if Nico Melli could defend anyone and he can't, so he's going back to Armani Milan. Um, yeah, the problem with Zion is like he's the sort of can't really shoot threes, can score wherever he wants inside guy on one end, but he absolutely can't protect the rim. Which, like, there's not many guys that can get whatever they want under one basket and can't stop anything on the other, is there? Uh, Zion and, like, Miles Turner is the obvious one, I think. Shoot threes on one end, defend the rim on the other end. No, no, I'm saying it's the opposite. Oh, Miles Turner, sorry, yeah, Miles Turner would fit. Sorry, I thought you were saying they're they're comparable, and I was like, no. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that would be be perfect, but... (laughs) <laughs> they could, um, if they really want the three and D big, they could rope in Chris Stapps, Porzingis. Oh God! Yeah. We seem to be fair. Like, apart from the things of like Anthony Davis is a good idea for any team who would like to win basketball games. Um, I think Miles Turner is about as close as you get. Miles Turner or Jaron Jackson, if for some reason Memphis decide they don't like him, but they absolutely shouldn't do that. Yeah, they absolutely. That they are big fans, famously. But it's like all stars. Yeah, it literally an all star beside him is probably the thing. But I wonder if like uh your Valanciunas shot well on threes, but didn't shoot any of them. I think is the thing. Yeah, shot one one a game, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think apparently the Pelicans are ace. Just move on from Lonzo. So maybe. If they've got rid of Bledsoe and Lonzo and they've got they've still got some guards knocking around, I wonder if they can just make the Valentunas and Zion thing work offensively enough that their defense isn't too much of a problem. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, That's the other thing. Score 130, see what happens, is the other potential thing. Yeah, I I do like the idea of when um, Valanciunas is there. The thing they used to do in Memphis where if they were up against a team with no real rim protection, they would start the game with a Valanciunas post up and see if he could just mash somebody and get a hook shot. I love the idea of like Zion and Brandon Ingram both standing around as um, Valanciunas just drop steps his way to the basket. And they're like, what have they brought us here? We're meant to, well, I think Ingram still thinks it's his team anyway. And Zion knows it's his team for a fact. And they're going to watch this seven foot Lithuanian guy play like it's the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it's that thing of like, ah, they might be more fun, but I don't know if they're going to be good. But no, I, I like it. Like, the thing is, you can pick the other three spots around that. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm trying to find anything on Herbert Jones, who they drafted. I, uh, I think he, he was meant to be all right. I don't think he's going to solve their problems. Um. Herbert Jones, let me see. People will be really glad you made that noise in their earphones. Yes, just so that they know that I'm pausing to look something up. Um, Yeah, Uh, 2021 uh, SEC player and defensive player of the year. That's their second second round pick. So he might be something. I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think it matters. Zion will be in New York by then. You think so? I don't think so, but everyone seems very keen for it to happen, including Zion. So maybe it will. <clears throat> Shall we? Including um, Zion. Now we've touched the um, the draft with an unbelievably obscure pick. Shall we do a quick draft bounce round and say what we like and don't like out of it? Um, yeah, sure. So you always go deeper into the weird picks. So if you want to go, if you want to go first and okay. just pick a random guy that you like. First off, shout out to the magic for doing the exact opposite of what I said they were going to do. Cause I text you on the day of the draft being like, I can't believe they've got picks five and eight in a draft that's meant to have four really good players. And other than that, be full of freakish athletes who aren't good. Um, I'd seen with their number eight pick, they'd like some of the projections were like Keon Johnson, who ended up going 21, Zaya Williams, who went 10th, and everybody was like, What a like, why have Memphis traded up to 10th to get this guy when they could have got him at 17? Um, but the Magic actually made sensible picks of good players and are still in a weird spot because they have about seven or eight guys who are worth keeping around to see what they are, but nobody who seems to be good enough to build around. Um, I think Jalen Suggs is one of these like weird, like it's described as like a winner more than any particular skill set, but like, he's like a pretty high floor guy. I think like, I think he's going to be good, but I'm just sad that he's at magic because like, Anyone could or could not be good, depending on what team they end up on. Yeah, uh, as we've um, as we've seen with several Magic guys over the years, where it's been one of my favorite teams. I was talking to Ben Fox about this. 
one of the teams I was most excited to watch was when the Magic had had a load of draft picks recently and it was like Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon and Vucevic and they were terrible and then one by one all those players left and ended up being at least all right on other teams or in Oladipo and Tobias Harris's case earning a lot of money because they were good. Um, but yeah, outside of Orlando, who nobody other than me cares about, I've taken a very scientific approach to the draft of just looking at what groups of players teams have landed with and thinking about who I'm most excited to watch on opening night um, in terms of differences from last season to the start of this season. And I actually think Houston might have done it because I'm so, so intrigued by the giant Turkish guy and the fact they got Osman Garuba at 23. Yeah, is it Alperin Shengun? Alperin Shengun. He is apparently going to be great, but is skinny and soft. Um, So I don't know. Um, It's exciting. Like I've seen videos in his his footwork and his post scoring and his shooting, and they all look very good. But uh, I hope he gets stronger. I hope he's good. I hope so much that he's good. I really want him to be good. I've I've not cared about Houston for a long time, but it's I don't know the actual group of players they're going to start the season with will at least be they'll be like last year's Hornets team where they're probably not that great. Be like I definitely need to jump on league pass and see what these guys actually do. And um, also Garuba getting to twenty three in the draft is absolutely like he's playing in the Olympics now. He's played for Real Madrid for the last two seasons. He's playing in the Olympics now against actual good qualified basketball players who aren't in the college league. And nobody's thought, nobody in the first 22 picks of the draft thought he might be worth a shot. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I don't really scout these guys before they come into the NBA because I don't think I, I well, I just, one, I don't care enough. And two, <laughs> I just don't think it's particularly illuminating to see them score against like other teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> like that doesn't tell me enough if they're good and I don't watch enough of it to be able to know to have that knowledge base to know whether that projects forwards but I just look it up afterwards and see what the people who actually care think yeah. and I'm seeing a lot of stuff about the Clippers actually doing the right thing for once rather than just being like hey man I would love nothing more than to draft three backup centers and play none of them so they've actually drafted some wings and stuff which is very exciting yeah. also yeah. the guy Santi Aldama went to the Jazz um, with pick 30 or picked by the Jazz yeah. but ended up going to the Grizzlies um, and he's from Gran Canaria I think which is cool So oh, I've seen his name that was cool I didn't realize it was from- shout out to him definitely Spanish I, I'm very sure he's Canarian. Um, think it's Grand Canaria, but also that doesn't matter. He's awesome. Spanish, and that's cool. Um, the Spurs going for that guy, Joshua Primo, way oh. higher than anyone else thought is very funny, but I trust them. I, I, I've i been wondering about this. I don't know for a fact that I trust them anymore. I think... Yeah, they, I, they're actually past the benefit of yeah. the doubt. They're just... Yes. Them, them and OKC have become the look how smart we are teams by making... It's like when actors do a couple of movies that end up big and then they get ahead of themselves and just go into weird indie performance art films or start doing fragrance adverts where the plot doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
but it's um yeah the i think a lot of the draft stuff you can justify even like the josh primo thing the, he must have shown the spurs something that like maybe other teams didn't see in him or whatever else or thought they saw but the the garuba thing is absolutely beyond me like even teams are saying the clippers have done well and it's like, yeah, they have, but they've also picked Keon Johnson, who everyone acknowledged was like so raw that it was difficult to predict whether he's been good or not. And all the Clippers want to do is play small, and they've just passed on a six foot eight guy who's been playing center in Europe against actual centers. And <laughs> it's like, just just pick this guy. <laughs> I don't yeah. see what, who are you trying to prove you're smarter than by not picking somebody. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm going back to the um, it's just going back to the thing of me being like, I read that they did a good job, uh, but I don't really yeah. don't really know. I also wonder if like that guy's just like athletic and strong and looks good in the Olympics. And I wonder if it's just people being like, yeah, but that's international basketball. It's got nothing on the but- NBA when it's like, hey, everyone in the NBA is there. You know what I mean? Like that's... Uh, in- International basketball must be good because France beat the USA. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like people are like, I don't know. He's only done it in the team that Luka Doncic just got doubted for coming from and he's <laughs> doing it for the second best national team in yeah. the well, second or third or fourth or whatever. But like historically, last decade, like a really good setup. But I don't know. I'm reading about this Joshua Primo guy who went to San Antonio and I've just, I figured it out. Go he's six foot six and he's like long and athletic and he's like, he's got nice shooting mechanics and he's had a couple of games. Um, he had eight games with three or more threes in college last year. And the Spurs have done that thing that they did with Kawhi where they were like, ah, we needed a bit more size. Yeah. And a bit, more, and a bit more size and a bit more length. And we need to figure it out. Yeah, just been like, ah, we will. But I don't know. Uh, a lot of Spurs fans are like, hey, please draft a center. And it's like, nah, you'll find a center. You'll be fine. Yeah. Draft guys that lacks to help you win games. I wonder if the um I wonder if the Spurs had a good look at Shangun and were like, we should just take this guy. But I think Shangun getting to 16 was actually pretty surprising because every I think he was like almost this year's. Pokushevsky thing where everyone was like, oh, imagine if we drafted him and he turned out to be great. Yeah. Also, OKC could have just kept the 16th pick and had Shengun and Pokushevsky together, which they absolutely should have done because they're not even trying to be good yet and they should just let weird niche guys roll out together and see what happens. Yeah, but I do kind of wonder as well. It's like Pokushevsky's fun. And like Shingun is fun, but like I don't know if you're projecting five years in it because the whole thing with a high enough pick is like, hey, can this guy can this guy be the guy? Yeah. And like I don't know if that's the case with anyone who isn't point guard or wing. Like I don't know if you're no. getting like, unless you're getting Jokic. Yeah, I was going to say unless Shingun turns out to be Jokic, but I think there's a reasonable case that Shingun turns out to be more Greg Monroe than. Jokic or Kevin Love yeah. or anybody like that. More Omar Ashik than <laughs> you than can't. Than you can't use that one just because he's Turkish. I'm just talking about like, oh, this guy could be a ah, he's a bit soft. Like, yeah. um, he just he's he's a child is the other thing. Like he's so skinny. Like he's he's a baby. Yeah, is the thing. It's, it's like 
the anyone who gets criticized for not having the physical tools of an NBA player before they have actually shook hands with their NBA athletic trainer. <laughs> what are we doing? And I understand that he's playing, he was playing for Besiktas, like he should be in the gym, but like that everyone bulks up by the time they get to the NBA. Well, the, so not an issue. The, the counter argument to him not being bulked up yet is he just won the MVP of the Turkish league, which if you want to count the, if you want to count the leagues in the world, Turkish league's probably fourth. NBA, Euro League, Spanish league, Turkish league, maybe. And it's like, maybe if yeah. you if you think that him not being bulked up is such a big deal, think about the fact that he's playing against actual adults in probably one of the best domestic leagues in the world, and he's won the MVP. Like, there's kids you you could take out of college in the NBA who have been in college level strength and conditioning for a few years who couldn't do that. So maybe don't sweat it too much. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe he's not going to have the best time trying to guard Joel Embiid, but also nobody has it, has much fun at that. So no, but I guess the thing with that is unless you're actively drafting someone who is going to defend Joel Embiid, like no one else has a nice time with it. You know what I mean? Like, that, that doesn't mean, like, you shouldn't gra- draft him and you should draft a point guard because, like, they can't defend you all immediately. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> as long as you pick up someone who's big and strong who can maybe stop him. Yeah. I, it kind of matters, but it also really doesn't because yeah. that's not... There is only, like, a certain type of one of the five positions in the NBA that can do it, so it's like... Yeah, no, that's you know I mean? it's not like oh no, we're defending or we're gra- we're grabbing someone who plays either the one, two, three, or four who can't stay in front of any of them. Like yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, I can't do this very specific thing that literally no one did for a full year that five people on earth can do. If that, yeah, who five people can like hold to like a yeah. portion of what he's going to do to you. But yeah, I don't know. So some of it will be fun and we should do like a two months in who do we actually care about rookies yeah, thing. Yeah, we should do. Have you got, you said you don't go as deep into it because there's so much to take in and obviously you've got a lot going on with camps and stuff. Is there anyone you know for a fact you're excited to watch? Uh, uh, Mobley's going to be fun, yeah. but also it means Jared Allen doesn't have a job anymore. So <laughs> Jared Allen um, Dallas, I would say. Well, yeah, yeah. No, like, I'd like him to get out of the way of yeah. this guy because he looks like he's going to be a laugh. And also, Kid Cunningham. Yeah, he looks like he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But also, Kid Cunningham is a boring answer, but it is also yeah. the actual answer. Like, uh, a six-foot and can play make and can shoot. Cunningham seems like the obvious answer, but also he might be good enough that the rest of Detroit's roster makes some sense now, and that in itself is quite an accomplishment. Yeah, you're talking about teams that you want to watch, and it's like, I might actually watch a Detroit basketball game for the first yeah. time. So, yeah, that's up there. What about you? Anyone else? Um, the other guy I'm pretty into is the guy that, the Thunder were on about drafting, but I think they were just doing it to put on a show. And he's ended up in Charlotte is James Booknight. And he's okay. 
the him and Lamelo thing is a bit weird because all Charlotte seems to have is small scoring guards with like Rogier, Monk, and Devonte Graham, and they've basically been like, "Hey, we've got someone who's probably better than all these guys and is six foot five instead of six foot flat, or however tall Terry Rogier is." Um, but yeah, Charlotte's got him, and they've got Kai Jones, who could be pretty lethal, but is definitely going to be all or nothing. Um, so if that if their roster pans out, considering they played all of last year with a tiny guard next to Lamelo and Biggs, who literally couldn't even be trusted to catch the ball, I would say they'll be a pretty fun watch. Yeah, that's the thing as well. It's like outside the margins of this team could actually be really good this year. It's like, hey, who's going to be fun? Yeah. Because all of the stuff that we do, watching it, talking about it, recording a podcast that no one cares about about it, like <laughs> it's because we think it's fun. Yeah. So it's like they'll be fun next year, and that's good. Like that's that's nice. That's uh, all I need. It, I think Charlotte also link into my um, one of my favorite things around draft time with all the all the moves and stuff that go on is how there's always a couple of sneaky under the radar trades that don't make a big impact, but they tell you a lot about what teams think about people. And one of yeah. them is the fact that Charlotte's so keen to not have either Cody Zeller or Bismarck Biombo back that they've just taken Mason Plumley off Detroit for basic... They traded down 20 spots in the draft so they could get Mason Plumley off Detroit, and that <laughs> seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Um, yeah. Would you rather a Plumley or a Zeller on your basketball team? I think it's a Plumley, but not by much. I, I would pull Miles Plumley out of retirement, or I think there's a third Plumley who sacked off basketball and is now just in the military or something. I think I'd rather phone him up and have him than Mason. Um, but yeah, the the other one, and this happened overnight, I think, is Dallas just gave Josh Richardson to the Celtics. Yeah, <laughs> just like what was it like he he's one of those guys that like looks like they should be good in yeah. that like if you were doing that weird exercise that we did earlier of like russ lebron ad fill the other two spots like the idea of josh richardson fits in there but he doesn't yeah. actually like yeah he's um he's almost right now he's in the middle of like the jay crowder pre last couple of years stretch where it's like every team goes after him if they think they can get him because it's like this guy makes a ton of sense and then he gets there and it's like oh doesn't work doesn't do it for us and then he get someone else needs the exact same thing and to, like Richardson had two good years in Miami then he's been Philly Dallas and now Boston and crucially they're all teams that are all right but not good enough that he's going to push them over the edge in any way and yeah and I think I think a lot of it is like we want a guy that's 6'6 six, six to 6'8 and will hit shots. And they're like, ah, what about this guy who's 6'6 six, six and might make shots? And you're like, ah, okay. Like for, for that amount, for 11 million a year, yeah. that's what yeah. we're getting. Because if you got a guy that's 6'8 and will hit shots, they're 25 million a year. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, at it, it's going to be the toughest thing for Phoenix is that they're going to have to pay eight. And, and then the amount Mikel Bridges is going to make in a year when his extension comes up is like this guy's literally the perfect role player and is going to get paid like a star player because teams are so desperate for role players to fit around their stars they effectively become stars themselves 
Yeah, he better hope his contract comes up before NBA drafts turn into like the role player factory because people need to realize. I'm sure colleges will realize at some point that like obviously superstars will win them games and whatever. But in terms of getting guys into the NBA, like, hey, can you like defend, shoot past dribble at an okay rate? Yeah. Gets it done. Yeah. I mean, probably last point on the draft, but look at the fact that Florida State in two straight drafts have had guys projected maybe like 10th to 13th who've then risen to four in the last week of the draft between like Patrick Williams and Scotty Barnes both being six foot nine and able to like fill so many different roles teams just like yeah get even Chicago who shouldn't have been in the market for role players in any sense were like hey give us this guy we'll be bad a couple more years and then he'll fit in when we've got a couple of good players in yeah, you're like talking about a role player. Like, what are you feeling a role towards? Like, what do you, yeah. you can't, you can't have a role on a team that doesn't know where they're trying to go. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't help their collective vision if you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. So that'll probably do it in the draft, unless you've got any more illuminating thoughts, because I certainly don't. I'm screaming. No, I wouldn't say any of my thoughts so far have been illuminating, but I certainly don't have any that are better than the ones I've given out already. Yeah, not illuminating, but you don't want to hear my dark thoughts. So, <laughs> um, shall we? You mentioned Mandel briefly, and I feel like we should point out the fact that your now former teammate is the best player in the world at present. Shout out to Mandel. I don't know if he uh, listens to this, but should we touch on the? He does. Yes, he does. Um, I gave him stick for being really far behind because he only listened to a certain podcast recently, and then he was like, "No, like I just." Realized I was far behind, so started with the most recent and worked back. And I was like, that's insane, but thank you for listening, sir. Um, Yeah, so the Netherlands held a friendly tournament with Spain and Germany, and it went well. I think everyone stayed safe, which is really cool. Um, Shout out to them for making that happen. The Netherlands beat the brakes off everyone. Mendel was class. Um, That's fun. Ari had some good minutes, and... Yeah, they're the two that I'm very invested in caring about, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah the Netherlands, man, the Netherlands look really good, man. Yeah. The, the, and uh, also, did everyone else look bad? No. Uh, I think the Netherlands look good more than the other two teams looked yeah. like they were still we'll, out. Step, we'll step around this diplomatically so as not to criticize any um, present or future teammates of yours. But, or past. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, like I think it's it's weird because there's like Germany and Spain are obviously trying to ramp up towards Tokyo and maybe are trying different things and rotating and trying to figure stuff out. But then you've got the Netherlands who aren't even supposed to be at that stage. They're meant to just be coming in and playing. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they're just like playing basketball and living the dream. Yeah, it, it's a weird one though because, I mean, when I watched it, I was like, how, how are the Netherlands this far ahead of everybody else? Not far ahead because obviously they're not going to the um to the big dance, but it's like they seem to have a way clearer sense of identity than the teams they were going up against, even post COVID and everything. But then you realize the Europeans is actually in December, right? So it's only like four and a bit months away until the Netherlands are going to be playing a tournament that does matter. And it's like, yes, it does, it seems miles off because Tokyo has not come around yet. And then you know, oh, this would actually be about the time you would probably lock eyes on the tournament and start getting your finger out. Yeah, like, and they just need to nick a win against one of the teams that they played. Yeah. 
and they make the worlds. Is what I keep saying. I was like, you just need to beat one of this team, this team, or this team. Yeah, fair. become fourth or yeah. third or whatever it needs to. Be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's. Um, I say, I say, just like you just need to yeah. win a full forty-minute regulation international basketball game against professional athletes. But like, <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah, no, it's um, it's it's cool to see, man. It's obviously you've got bigger fresh bigger fish to fry prior to the Europeans, but it's um, it's cool that your your guys are looking like they're getting it, be getting it rolling. And they to me, they look like they're easily a, a third or fourth place team, if not higher if something breaks right when it comes around to the Europeans. Yeah, I could for sure see them qualifying for Worlds, and I hope they do, because they're, they're my guys. But yeah, I also want to see them play Aria Mendel at the same time, because obviously. Because <laughs> um, it works. Because it's, it's, it's good for third and it's good for third in tournaments, apparently. <laughs> um, or it's good for third or fifth or sixth in tournaments. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Shall we, while we're on the international stuff, shall we talk about anything we have or haven't watched at the Olympics? So you've watched a lot more than me. I have watched. You've had a real stuff of, going on. What's that? I don't really. You have a real job. You have more of a job than I do. Um, you have an actual job. When I was living in your house last week, I was like, this sounds like real boring stuff. And you're like, yeah, it <laughs> pays the bills. Um, buys the coffees. Yeah. So... Um, it pays for the Eurosport subscription. Um, <laughs> so it pays for mine too. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I, I always forget we're on um we're technically on the same Euro Eurosport subscription. I think I've used it 100 percent of all the usages ever. Yeah, I yeah, I have I think I've watched three games on it. Yeah. Which is great. So yeah. thank you. But um yeah. so I watched Spain Argentina the other day, which was fun. Ooh. I haven't watched the Australian game from last night. Um but yeah, how the only thing I can come away from every time I watch Argentina, how badly do you want to hang out with Luis Scola? Oh, he looks very cool. He looks like I don't know when they put like just cool looking older dudes in ads for stuff to be like, hey, this will make your life better rather than this is a nice tasting beer or like, you know, what I mean? it's like, hey, drink this beer. You'll be as cool as this guy. Yeah. He's just like. It looks like okay. his legs good. I'm not sure he... it is because he's a millionaire Argentinian. But yeah, how does he not like on adverts for leather jackets or like cool jeans or something like that? He should be. Yeah. There's, there's almost no way he isn't. Um, yeah. But he he played in the NBA for years, and maybe it's just because I've not seen him for so long. But he looks shredded. Like I'm sure he was never in that good shape when he was young. Honestly, it might be the fact that NBA guys play so many games that you don't practice a whole lot or like yeah, something like that. Maybe he's just like scraping from game to game as a, like an older dude in the NBA just trying to survive. And now he's like at club level, just smashing people and getting in shape. Where's he playing now? Is he back in Argentina? Or No, he was. He had two years in China. And I think he's at. He was at Milan the year before I started watching the EuroLeague, and then he's dropped. I think he's in Italy's second division now at Varese's able-bodied team, maybe. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, he, he's living the dream. There was um, there was talk about him going to Bologna, which is where uh, Milos Teodosic and Marco Bellinelli both play. Oh, that'd be fun. You, you could sign me up for watching that immediately. I'd be so down for that. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. The old boys. Um, 
other the other big team that's crushing it in the Olympics has been Slovenia so far, which they are playing like they're, they're playing like they're the Utah Jazz. They're just shooting threes on basically every possession. And you realize that their center is absolutely nothing like Rudy Gobert. He's a six nine American guy with Slovenian citizenship. It's like, how is yeah. this offense working apart from Luca? I think the thing is like if Luca's gonna give you the ball, it better be a good shot. So they're like, uh, threes and Luca. Like it's a thing of like keeping the efficiency up by all of your bad shots being taken by Luca and none of your bad shots being taken by anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Um but He's just smashing it. Like he's come back from the NBA and been like, hey, this lane is closer than I remembered. Class. Have you um okay, before we before we wrap, what are you calling for the medals outcome at the at the Olympics? I don't know how the crosses work in terms of whether these things can actually line up. I don't know. I'm going to call the USA to still do it. Um, I'm going to call some combination of Slovenia and Spain two and three. Okay. I think maybe that uh France looked looked pretty good. Good enough to beat the USA. But um uh, France and the Aussies are the two other teams that I could see get anywhere. Yeah. But I don't know. What do I you think? think the they're the same five teams I'd settled on. I something tells me the US aren't gonna win gold. I is it that they've been terrible? <laughs> well, yeah, it's the fact that right before we started recording, they were in like a tight game with the Czech Republic until the last quarter, and then they were like, okay, let's pull away. And the Czech Republic like have guys that even I struggle to care about. They've got like three guys who Satoransky is obviously like a decent NBA backup. Jan Vesley's a good EuroLeague player, and Patrick Auda is a all right, you're a league player, and I've not heard of any of the rest of them. And when your yeah. third, when your third best guy is an all right, you're a league player. You shouldn't be hanging with the US for thirty minutes. No, that is that is safe to say. Yeah. So who have you got winning it then? I think France are going to do it. I'm to- I'm torn between France and Australia to win, but I think France have more scoring. Yeah, France look good. Australia look good. Luca might just be good yeah. enough on his own. I, I'm, a good I'm not overly convinced by what I've seen from Spain so far. I, it hasn't. Nothing about Spain says to me they can beat either France or Australia. Apart from the fact that Ricky Rubio is summer, Ricky Rubio is the best player in the world. But yeah. apart from that, yeah, I, I also really want the only thing that I don't think we're going to get now that I'm sad we sad we'll have to wait a few more years for. And maybe we'll never see, but I wanted an Australia Argentina game because man, did I need to see a Delavadova and Campazzo fight? Yes, it's it was, the it, thing it, we didn't know we wanted, but we actually <laughs> needed. Yeah. Also, you said you say summer players being the best player in the world, Patty Mills and Ricky Rubio. I could just watch them play one on one in FIBA competitions. It's like, how are these guys so good at this? I love it so much. Should we write a letter? Huh? They're just two guys that's like, it it genuinely looks like it has changed their lives for the three point line to be closer. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, which is weird, but it is what it is. You'd think you'd figure it out for yeah. ten million a year, but you know, that's you just would. me. Have you um any figures for far less than that? So yeah, have you any other Olympic sports you want to shout out? 
Um, no, we were having a debate on what qualifies as a sport the other day, and if there are any uh, any equestrians listening, uh, sorry if you didn't make the cut. But no, apart from that, no. Uh, shout out wheelchair basketball. We'll get to you. I promise. Um, now, what about you? The two things I've watched of basketball have been volleyball and water polo, and I don't really understand them, but they're both great. And the, I'm, yeah. convi- I'm convinced watching volleyball, the people who are the first line of defense at the net obviously are like very skilled in putting their hands up to act as the blockers. But if you asked anybody who'd never played volleyball before to just do that jump and take a volleyball to your kind of flat palms, I am sure if your body wasn't trained for it, one of those would break at least one of your wrists. I, I have yeah, no oh, idea. thousand percent. Yeah, I have no idea how those guys put up with it, but shout out to them. Um, other than that, does gymnastics count as a sport? Because I, I don't know if I buy this stuff where it's like scored by judges and is subjective. Uh, I think it counts. It might be an art form as much as a sport in that yeah. sense. That's but fair. no, it's it's way more athletic than like dancing, which also gets scored and blah blah blah. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 in there. I I think it's it's nuts. I like oh yeah. Anything, I, anything that I don't think looks like a sport, you I can overrule that in my mind by being like, well, I have no chance of doing that, so I have to just be like, oh, fair enough. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, the only other thing that I, when I was trying to work out what what were and weren't sports, when I was speaking to my uncle the other day. He told me that sculpting used to be in the Olympics. And if that's not something that isn't a sport, I don't know what is. Yeah. So is that more or less of a sport than the equestrians? Yeah. Yeah. I think the equestrian thing was like, hey, give the medal to the horse. (laughs) That was my thing. But yeah. Anyway, we're not here to bash other sports. We're here to promote the wonderful sport of basketball specifically wheelchair basketball even though we didn't really talk about it but you know we're, here we are. we'll get to it. i think we're you're obviously in camps and stuff but we've we're gonna have a bit more time to just talk about the details of things and obviously you're not going to be giving away the secrets as you guys prep for tokyo but i think we'll do some sessions where we catch up on how everything's looking and how we see some of the field panning out and whatnot yeah sounds good we're good okay we'll get out okay. of here then Thank you for listening, everybody. And also, thanks for the listens so far on the wedding episode because that's turned out to be way more popular than we thought. Oh, God. Yeah. If it turns out you're actually here for our our partners slash our personalities rather than our insights, that would be a shock. I'm in trouble because I don't have a personality. On that note, cheers for listening and we'll catch everybody soon. Take it easy. Bye. Peace.